weeks ago, whatever you do for the first time, um, you remember it. And if it happens to be with your dad, then you write about it. Um, so it's, it's a, actually a very vivid scene in, in the show. But going to Yankee Stadium for the first time still is one of the great remembrances I'll, I'll ever have in my life. You know, they call it a, um, baseball stadiums, they, they refer to as cathedrals. Uh, to me, it was the biggest synagogue of baseball I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you wanted to be a baseball star, but about the age of nine, you thought, no, 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 comedy for me. I, I, a couple of years well, ago... Well, I stopped growing. Yeah. <laughs> well, outwardly, anyway. And uh, a, cu a couple of years ago, Mel Brooks was on the show, and he referred to himself as the king of corner stick, that he did all his routines on, on the sidewalks of uh, Brooklyn. Who did you practice your routines with? Well, it was the relatives. It was the family. Um, our house was the, was the Comedy Central. Everybody was always over. It was an eclectic group of, of strange and interesting and funny people who loved to be entertained. So I'd have 40, 50 people over every weekend, so that to me it meant showtime. So my room was always the room where the hats and coats were put. Right, so that made it the wardrobe room. Mm. So I would wear their Persian coats and their, 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 their hats with the veils. And the, they always wore like this animal around their neck, which looked like a ferret <laughs> or a weasel. And, and it had claws and glass eyes. It was terrifying. And the, the clasp was this animal biting its own foot. <laughs> so I would do it and I would perform for them and, and imitate them. And, and that's where it really started for me. Did it ever get you in trouble, the ability to mimic your relatives? Um, it's happened, but it, it happened to me actually recently playing in a golf tournament with former President Bill Clinton, where he was, um, he was talking throughout the first nine holes, and he just wouldn't stop. And he was the most powerful man in the world, but he, he thought he was the president of golf, <laughs> and, and he just wouldn't stop. So we go into the restroom at, in between the nine holes, which men our age do a lot, mm. and I was imitating him you know, he, to the fellow I was playing with. And because Clinton kept saying on every hole, hey, what you got to do, Bill, is this. What you got to do is, it, you know, keep your head down. What you got to, he kept saying, what you got to do. Friends in the bathroom, and I sat the urinal, I go, all right, now listen, what you got to do is just get your legs together. And, and Clinton walked in. <laughs> and I know, I know he heard me because I'm, I'm being audited. <laughs> what did, oh, you know, I was... I, I was Sammy Davis's opening act for a while. So I would come to the show, Andrew, about two hours before I would go on, because Sammy was already in his dressing room. And you would, we would talk, and he would tell me all of these stories. And um, you, you can't leave a dressing room after talking to Sammy Davis Jr. for that long and not feel like you want to just be him, you know. And that's how that, that thing started, and I mean that. <laughs> he once uh, he once got your impersonation of, on, of him on your answering machine. Is that right? Oh my! God. This was weird. Well, once I fell in love with the voice, I started calling people at home. I'd leave messages as Sammy Davis Jr. So I did the show and it went really well. So I came home and the, the red light was beeping on my message machine. Well, the message on my phone machine was me as Sammy with some music in the background, and you simply heard me say. Hey, babes, can't talk right now. I'm in the studio. Peace and love, and I mean that. I'll get back to you. Beep. Well, I, I, I press the message, and you hear Sammy Davis Jr. actually go, what the hell is this? And hangs up. So Sammy called, and Sammy answered. Oh. <laughs> and he, he just didn't know what to do. <laughs> he, he must have had a total out-of-body experience. Yeah, well, he just said, you know, hey, listen, I don't mind you doing on the show, but just... 
skip it from your life, okay, pal? <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned uh, Jack Palance earlier and City Slickers. Did you tell him about the impact he'd had on you all those years ago when you saw your first film? I told him about Billy, I told him about seeing the movie, and he said, great, I'd like a Mai Tai. <laughs> he just said, yeah. Isn't it frustrating that no matter how hard you write, you can't write a line as good as that? No, there was just, you know, that's what the show is about. It's about their humor, about their heritage. The show is very much about how you end up becoming who you are. It's not about my career. It's about these great moments with these great people throughout my life. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Robert De Niro, of course, and analyzed this. That was probably the first time he, he did, was regarded in a comedy sense. What was it like for you approaching him to do that film? Well, you know, I, I um, had written the first draft of the script with a great writer named Peter Tolan. So I, so I called him, I said, I said, Bob, I got something that might be great for us. I would love you to read it. And so...